Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, everybody. You're welcome to Create or Die Trying with Sagai. My name is Sagai. Thanks for tuning in on Instagram. I'm on Facebook Live. On Instagram, there is a little bit of a problem. Just set that up quickly. I think instead of getting my old something set up, I'm trying to almost take a picture. So let's go on live. Okay, we're going live right now. Um, so Instagram Live is going to be on in a few seconds. So if you're tuning in on Instagram, just Stay on that. All right, everybody. Good evening. You're welcome to Creator Diary Trying. My name is Sagai. You're welcome to the show. Wow, it has been an, like a wonderful period so far. Last week was completely awesome. And I'm not just talking about the fact that the Super Eagles won their match against Croatia, I believe. Um, uh, what was yeah, yeah, against who are the, who they play with again? Me, I'm not exactly all over the place with that. So they had that, that match last week and they won it. Excellent goals, beautiful goals. I saw it, it was beautiful. Now I'm not just talking about that, but last week also, special shout out to my friend and um, partner and um, mentor that came by on the show, Sewa Donupowaku. You were awesome. And last week's episode was our most watched episode so far. 851 views so far and counting still. You guys are awesome. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for contributing, and we had quite a lot of comments about this project and, and what we were talking about. We will still be referring back to that in later episodes because there is so much to talk about in terms of the comic book industry in Nigeria because quite a lot of it will be happening for the rest of the year. I know the things that people in the comic book industry are planning out in the Nigerian landscape. Woof! You guys are going to be wowed out by the end of this year. All right, so how was your weekend? Trust you guys had a wonderful one. Thanks for tuning in again, like I said. Now, um, we had a topic set for today and was uh, partly what we were supposed to talk about last week and something we we, we like, okay, let's keep uh, addressing it uh, bit by bit and all that, but it comes to a head at some times or the other. And then um, we had to talk about this. And then please note that when we talk about designers and the product designers are facing, let's try not to limit ourselves by thinking just about those who are in the graphic end of things. When we talk about designers, we mean everybody that is operating in the creative field. Whether you are into graphic design, press, digital graphics, video graphics, even video graphics and photography, whatever level of design you're operating in, whatever level of creative enterprise you're operating, we are talking about you today. You'll see by the time we start analyzing and talking about these problems, how they relate with you as a person. So again, on Instagram Live, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate and Johnny just joined our, our live. Thanks for tuning in, Pisces and Johnny. All right, now let's go straight to the topic today because I hope, I sincerely hope we'll be able to talk about um, most of the things that is highlighted in, the, in this thing here. Our topic today is relevance and certain other problems faced by designers, okay? Relevance and certain other problems faced by designers. Now, the first one, why we put um, relevance out there as the first thing on the list is that it seems to be the most... Um, how I call it, the most psychologically affecting of all the topics, all the uh, problems we identified, all right? Everybody wants to remain relevant, but we're not going to put that as the number one when we analyze all these problems. We're going to take them one by one. Some of them may link to the other and would have elements that will reflect on others as the show proceeds. But let's look at them step by step. And as we talk about the problems, you know, we said the show is not an entirely problem-identifying show. We don't talk about problems here. We identify problems and we talk about solutions. So while we'll be talking about this designer problems, we'll also be preferring solutions that might actually become useful for all designers out there. 
And remember, you too can be a part of this by contributing your own suggestions for how these problems can be solved and how these problems even affect you as an individual. So let's share that together as a work. So moving on straight ahead to it. Number one, working with, within fast turnarounds. Number one problems faced by designers all over the world, and it's not just in Nigeria or where we are, it is working within fast turnarounds. Communication is constantly speeding you know it. Everything happens in a fraction of a second. Clients want good, no, no. They want great work, and they want it yesterday. You know, you always get that call uh, with a very sketchy brief while um, the work is literally required like five minutes ago. It's like right now, they require the work tomorrow morning, and they are calling you by 2 a.m. It's like, dude, we need this work like done now. You hear things like, well, I know you can do it. Yeah? So I, got, I told my team that I know someone who's always up to the task, someone who's always on point, that if you talk to him, he will make it happen. And they tell you these things with the slimmest of briefs, briefs that are not actually detailed, and they want it yesterday. All right? Now, there was this post that they, um, was me and my people here at ICC saw a while back that quite a while about that regards to how clients actually see designers or creative people in general, that oftentimes they, they think what designers do is magic. Like out of their hearts, you just like designers are like this wizard that sits before a computer or even a blank sheet of paper and you speak to the computer and voila, the design comes out like that by itself. Or specifically, actually, that post says, it's like designers pull these designs and ideas out of their butt. I mean, almost as if we just like defecate these ideas out, you know? And it's, it's, it's actually the way clients often approach. And I'm sure every designer out there, whether you're in illustration, storyboarding, graphics, uh, advertising, communication design, whatever it is that you're asked to do, you always seem to get it at 11.45. But we don't have 11th hour projects anymore. Like one great challenge is that. And then the bad part of it is not that if the timing is short enough, all right? They want it done like the, the most perfect work can deliver in the shortest possible time. All right? Now, that doesn't even become a problem itself until you realize that it's actually the nature of the environment. There are very few clients or people out there who want to give you a job that don't require it tomorrow, like right now, like yesterday. It seems to be a part and parcel of what we do. All right? Things will not slow down. But like sometimes I see people are telling you, either speed up and become the savior or the go-to guy, or, or aka the guy who might also be diminishing in quality, or you get to reduce your client's volume and keep some quality content. Somehow it's kind of hard to do. All right. So it becomes a problem because you're challenged by the fact that you're required to deliver things like that. All right. And, and I know a lot of things that is um, one of the core problems that is noticed in uh, uh, creatives health is the fact that they are stressed up. And part of that stress comes from being expected to deliver things within a very quick and sharp turnaround. So number one problem, working within quick and fast turnaround periods. All right? We'll talk about solutions to all these things one by one. Let's just identify them, then we'll talk about their solutions over and over again, or we'll just identify them again. So number two, balancing thinking with doing. All right? There is... Um, a lot of things going on out there about how to think like a designer, that design thinking is now like the in thing. It's taking roots. It's like uh, think creatively, apply creativity, know designs, you know, be, be creative-minded, blah, blah, blah. It, it's wonderful that the world now understands design in a bigger context, but it's important that we don't lose the unique facets of designs between it. See, the idea is uh, thinking is one thing, doing is another. 
All right, there's way too much details and videos out there about thinking, about the, uh, the design thinking and how to think like a designer and get all those and all that. And there's so much of that going on, there's very little time for you to actually practice your craft, to actually get better at it. You are often so overwhelmed with the thought processes of uh, pitch meetings, creative meetings, brainstorming sessions, you know, all of that, and less time to actually sit with the computer or sit with the drawing board and sketch out new ideas and actually practice what you are thinking about. So you end up with a lot of people with lots of ideas about creativity and about design, but very little time of actually practicing that design. Okay, that is one thing. Now that's number two. Number three. This is the one that actually was the core factor of um, this particular topic for today. Staying relevant. That is number three. See, um, for everybody in the design sphere, on the creative sphere, whether you are just coming into it or you have been there for a while, staying relevant is a major problem. It's like the new guys are always coming. New ideas, new ways, new means of techniques, and your new directions are coming out every day. How do you even stay relevant in with all of this is going on. You know, the fear of losing clients, of losing fans, followerships, losing likes on Facebook to some new shotgun guy of the of the of the of the press, you know, losing shares and relevance. Or it's usually the, the core thing at the back of most designers' mind, or at least it should be, because while it may look like an egotistical thing to want to remain relevant, it is actually a requirement for every designer, everybody in the creative realm to want to remain relevant. Relevance is what keeps you in the minds of your clients. Relevance keeps you in the mind of fans or people who work with you. You see, what keeps clients coming is your relevance. Tools and media are constantly changing. Keeping up is sometimes, wow, like a chore. Keeping up with the things, the way to new media is always coming up. There's a way to use social media. There's a way to use the tools you have always known all this while. There's a new tool coming up. How do you keep your old clients coming back? How do you stay in the game with all these new guys out there who are cheaper, leaner, meaner, faster, and everything than you? All right? So it's like, how do you fit in? And not just fit in, but fit in on a continuous basis. As in, like, constantly be on, on the top 10 list when things are being referred to. When people talk about um, uh, designers, do they talk about you for a few years and then somebody else replaces you? How do you keep your name on that list for the next 25, 30, 50 years? All right? Most designers are said to be training their competition. Or I'm sure you have heard that before. I'm, advertising agencies think about this all the time, and if they don't, they realize sometimes or the other in their life. For every business that involves creativity, most of the people that are working with you that you are training are potentially your competition. Your creative director's next level is, is our own agency. That's that. Is the creative director, then executive creative director, then what? All right? <laughs> if he doesn't own the company, then there's going to be something next for him or her, which is to set up their own agency or their own businesses, which might end up competing with the agencies they used to lead. All right? So it is like a constant thing. How does the old agency who just trained and got this creative director out compete with this new director who, asks, who has all their knowledge and idea about how they used to run their business? How do you keep yourself relevant in the game with all the new things that are coming out? That is always a problem at the mind of designers who want to be on top of their game at all times. So we'll address the solution for that later on. That's number three. Okay, that's number three out there. Now, number four, adapting to technological change. 
Yes, I know this is something that a lot of people would say, eh, maybe it's not it's like completely important that I follow the technological change. Must I change my tools? Do you want to go with every new technology that comes out there? Should you jump at it? Just, just think about it seriously. And I know this happens to a lot of people. And I've shared it with some of my students in the, in the brand schools that I train. You know, just when you think you're doing great with Photoshop CS5 and everything is just fine, then a new version with new tools and new physics is just released. Something that you might have to start relearning certain things. Okay. Now, this doesn't even account for the fact that. The Photoshop that you have been using as a designer, you might not even be using up to 25% of all the tools that that software has to offer. Yet there's a new one that you have to learn how to work with. Okay, now, uh, sorry, just a, a comment here. Type Fury says, professionalism is one of the ways to stay relevant. Be professional. That is Type Fury on Instagram. Thanks for that contribution. All right, we will address that. That looks, I mean, that actually sounds more on point about professionalism. But then the question always comes, how does that even get expressed? What is professionalism? What are the things that it entails? Okay. So now there's always going to be a new software or a new hub to do whatever it is that you're doing. All right. For those, I mean, you are used to pencil and paper. I'm like, we are still drawing with wooden pencils, <laughs> pack, coach pencils, I beg, sure, graphic tablets for where? And then you're working with touchscreen computers, like old school. Seriously, everything you're using right now will take a few months down the line because before it becomes the old tech. All right, there's always going to be a new technology to help to help or aid in your design process. All right, now how do you continuously adapt to that? It's like at some point, some designer just basically go, I'm not doing it again. I'll just be using my Photoshop 7. It's working and it gets my job done. All right, I know people who are still working with Photoshop CS5 or even Photoshop 7 right now as we speak. Okay, they have refused to follow all these CS6, CS7, but just there will be another CS somewhere. Okay, just when you think you are managing Adobe Illustrator, the CS6, then the CS7, and there's so much things going on out there. When will it really end? All right, let's answer that question. It's not ever going to end. The adaptation to new technological change, it's never going to end. For as long as research and thoughts and creative thinking continues to exist, new technology will always be found. So adapting is not an option. It is the fact. Fact, it's, it's what needs to be, okay? So while it's a problem, it's something that needs to be addressed by every designer out there. Number five, making great work. Now, in light of everything we have said so far from the number one to, to the number four of all these challenges and problems that designers are facing out there, ah, great work is still a requirement. Nobody's expecting that because you, are not, you don't know the latest tools or because you are, you are not exactly uh, given the right kind of time or, or, or whatnot, that you shouldn't do great work. No, great work is not compromised, no matter what else is thrown at you. You are expected to deliver awesomeness every time, all the time. It is a requirement for all designers, no matter what area of creativity you are, ex you are, you are operating in. It seems to be that anything less is unacceptable. All right? And then the major fact we should all realize is this, that is never going to change. The requirement and the desire by clients and fans and followers and everybody for great work is not going to subside. People are always going to be demanding awesomeness and great work from you at all times. In fact, the guy who gets the job the most is the one who can deliver the most awesomeness per period than the next designer. All right. And then the industry is 
um, growing and yet small because the industry practitioners are constantly growing. Look around you. In fact, you can find a great designer in every, every coin, coin throw. Just throw a stone somewhere. Within that, where you are, where that stone falls, you'll find a good designer somewhere. Somebody who can deliver some level of awesomeness. All right? Whatever it is that you're doing, great work is always going to be expected. The main challenges haven't changed too much over the last couple of decades. And for the next 20 years or what, they are not going to change. The challenges will not change. The technology will evolve, software will change, but the challenge will always be to make great work, to stay relevant, to stand out. That will always be a requirement for you as a designer. So it's a problem a designer faces. You've got to solve it. How do you ensure that with all of these things that we're talking about here, you still get great work done? It's like there's no way out of it. You just got to find a way to get that out. Okay? So number six moving on to that we'll talk about solutions for all this one by one just note them one two three four five so far number six staying true to design fundamentals now this one i cannot begin to overemphasize and i've I had situations where i've experienced this now on, on, on the fact that we can see so many good designers around we can also see so many mediocre designs or designers out there as well the sad truth is most of our designers out there even around the world are self-taught very few go into design schools to learn the basics or the principles or the things that form the fundamentals, the basics of design as a principle. You understand? Or as a practice. Okay? So it's like they learn the tools. Most people that learn design, that are operating in the design sphere right now, actually learn the tools before the fundamental. So somebody is introduced to Photoshop or CorelDRAW, Adobe Illustrator or 3D Max way before they learn the basics, elements and principles of design. All right, I, and I know this for a fact that I, my, my IC students have been taking on um, interns for the last uh, 10, 15 years. And I can tell you how many times we've had uh, interns, um, IT students coming from design schools across Nigeria, and they don't know all the elements and principles of design. The basic things that every designer, every person in the creative training at least should be aware of. And you find out things that they should be aware of that they just don't know. And one of the key things is the basic elements and principles of design. Now, these are often the most neglected aspect of design as a practice. The fundamentals, the things that you're not going, that you're not going to even stop using, whether you know it or not. All right. The sad thing is all designers, no matter what area of uh, enterprise you're operating in, you are working with the elements and principles of design. Okay, whether you know them or not. Okay, I mean I, I can use myself as an example. For a long time, I used to shade in a particular way that I thought I invented. You know, I had this style for shading that I actually learned off a friend of mine in secondary school. And then it wasn't until I won a competition using that sketch style that I actually found out the name of the shading technique I was using. So I was like one of those self-taught designers. I was using the, in, in, in code, this Fumato technique, SFFU. M-A-W-T-O uh, shading technique, all right? Now, I learned that years after I've been using it. And there are quite a lot of us walking around like that. We don't uh, understand the elements and principles of design, and we are operating in the city. These things actually work better when you use them intentionally. You see, you will operate in them whether you like it or not, whether you know them or not. But when you know them intentionally and you intentionally apply them, you will get better results out of them. Okay, so a lot of designers out there have the problems of not knowing the basic elements and principles of design. Now, 
even those who know and follow these uh, elements and principles and fundamentals, um, it's surely a hard task for them in this ever-evolving commercial and, uh, and social and technological landscape. All right? Now, you must realize that whatever you do as a designer, no matter how much of it is, is required from everything we have listed so far, remaining true to the core of conceptual ideas and keeping up with technology and customer engagement is what's going to keep you in the game longer. Knowing those core principles, those key elements, and operating within them intentionally will be what is called for you, what people will see that will make your work awesome. They might not even understand, they don't even need to understand the elements and principles, but you knowing it and using it intentionally will actually help your work impact better. Okay? So now, number seven. Now, uh, number seven is having a holistic perspective. All right? Having a holistic perspective. Now, there are quite a lot of um, um, uh, things out there being said for specialization. You know, we, we talk about um, Jack of all trades on the show a while back about you as a designer, should you focus on one area of design or one aspect of creativity and continuously do just that? Or should you be able to operate in a multi, uh, a multiple um, uh, window of creative enterprise? All right? Should you just be an illustrator or should you be the illustrator who can write? and do animation and also do press graphics at the same time and letter your comic book at the same time? Should you understand the marketing end of things? Should you know how to be a salesperson for your comic end of things? Now, that problem is a constant one with uh, uh, creative designers out there. Oh, Neil Flattery, the, the winner, Scribblies. Neil Flattery, how are you today? Thanks for tuning in. Okay, now, having a holistic perspective comes with its own problems. Okay, let's say it's hard to be the jack of all trades. We know that. It seems specialization is the in thing, yet you will receive your briefs for things that are totally out of your own area of specialization. And I know as creative designers out there, we know that this things happen a lot, right? You are sitting down, all you do is illustration. These people know you for illustration all the time, and you have been called several times to get illustration uh, projects handled. But then this day they call you up and say, hey, bros, Alpha, um, can you do a press advert? Now, all of a sudden, you are being faced with the choice of having to say, no, I don't, and they will find somebody else to do that, or add that to your repertoire as a creative person and say, of course, sure, I can do it, and maybe even be able to do it well or give it to somebody else to do it, okay? But it comes to you anyways. One thing I found out in my experience as a creative designer is over the years, I keep getting offered projects that are totally not in my area of operation. That isn't not in areas of things that I've advertised that I do, all right? From clients who know me for a particular thing and then still offer me projects in a different area because they assume, hey, uh, you're a creative person now, maybe you draw. And so that means you can do a press advert. It's like sometimes the way those things links in the minds of clients and customers doesn't really click with us, but it, it does, it happens for them. As far as they are concerned, Creatives is creatives, all right? So the illustrator gets a storyboard project, the animator gets asked to do a press advert, the graphic artist gets to uh, get requests for an illustrated advert. There's quite a lot of things, and it seems um, clients are always looking for a holistic service provider. They are looking for a shop where they can get everything done in one place. That is why agencies went even from their primary role of just placing adverts in newspapers and, and in media and into actually creating and collating those advert concepts and ideas before sending it out to the media that which you go. I mean, the word agency itself um, uh, connotes 
being a middleman between something. All right, they used to be uh, 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 just between the producer and the media houses. Not necessarily the people that generate the ideas to market the products. All right, that was supposed to be a marketing thing. That was supposed to be a communications department thing. But over the years, agencies became jack of all trades. They do your TV advert, they do your radio advert, they do the press, the digital graphics, they even do the road shows, they do activation and everything in one place. And I think a lot more clients expect that of every creative person that they meet out there. And that becomes a challenge for you as a designer. All you want to do is just basically draw. All you want to do is basically just do your graphics. You just want to animate, yet you keep getting projects that are in that line. In fact, you're also tempted by economic things. Okay, economic considerations always come in. Day in, you haven't got an illustration job in a month. And then somewhere towards the end of the month, you get this rather huge looking um, graphic design project. Should you take it or should you let it go since it's not your area of specialization? All right, now it seems today's creative industry favors specialization with a view to a holistic perspective. It simply means they expect you to be very good at one thing or be able to do multiple things, okay? So what we have found out is uh, being a specialized um, designer often leads to an isolated view of things, all right? It means you, like they say, from the, um, uh, from the view of the person holding a hammer, everything looks like a nail, all right? So it seems if you are so specialized in one area, you will see everything or every project that comes your way only in light of that particular area of specialization you work in. But the industry keeps asking you to multitask. The industry, the clients, the audience, the people out there don't want you to just be one thing, even though they want to recognize you for one thing. I guess that goes back to our jack of all trades things where we identify the fact that you should be able to um, double into other areas of creativity, at least have 10% uh, knowledge in all the other areas, and then focus a lot more of your energy into one area that you will be known for. All right? So uh, let me just read uh, Neil Flattery's um, contribution out there. It's really funny how people expect one person to have to do projects you are a master in just because you are creative. I'm telling you, creative people face that problem all the time. Just, see, you get asked, oh, Ibrahim, maybe you, are, you draw, Abi. So that means you can shoot a movie. I'm like, how does that even like link up to the fact that I can I can actually draw? You know, it's it's but it's there. Okay, so you're now um focus, you're now faced with the choice of should you continuously reject projects that are given to you that are not in your immediate area of specialization, or should you find ways to expand your areas of specialization to accommodate for more creative services? Okay. How do you focus on your key strength and area of design creativity while still keeping that holistic knowledge of the design and communications business so that you can offer a, a larger variety of services to your customers and clients? There will always be room for generalists. That is the thing. There will always be rooms for people with a holistic perspective. That is what the industry is seeing at all times. Somebody suggested something here. This thing touch suggests that for that particular area, you can collaborate. You see, that's a potential solution right there. If you can do it, can you collaborate with someone who can do it? All right, form a partnership in such a way that when such projects come to you, you can divert it into, uh, into uh, to your, your partners or your collaborators so that they can get that done and you can get something out of it. All right, so 
Number eight, let's quickly run through um, the, these problems and then we can talk about the solutions. Time is already uh, running out quickly. So number eight, and this one is actually another headache for a lot of designers out there. Number eight, being unique. With so many people in the game, with so many designers out there and new ones coming in and being thrown out of the training schools or out of internal trainings or what I call it now, internship, every day, how do you stand out? What does it even mean to stand out? I mean, how do you get to even be unique? It seems uniqueness comes from doing something irritating or annoying these days. Like, just put out something that everybody thinks is awful or irritating to them, and then you probably stand out and people will notice you. Or they just be the most controversial. Put something out there that is controversial and then people pay attention to you. All right? It seems to be uh, about how much rules you can actually break. Like how much of the design rules, how much of societal rules, how much of creative rules you can actually break to be able to get unique. But is that really it? All right? Because, um, and then clients, this is how it actually even uh, comes out. So you do this uh, controversial thing and annoying thing and totally groundbreaking, rule-breaking thing, and then clients, love you for your avant-garde thing, for the fact that you're doing this out-of-the-box setup and things, and then they avoid you completely. Or when they come to you, they immediately ask you that you follow all the rules of design on their projects. Like, don't check. No, 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 no. See, see, they'll just bring you a design. Say, so you see this design, eh? Take this design and do exactly this, but change the logo and put our product there. And then they came to you simply because of that absolutely uh, unique, controversial, crazy, out-of-the-box thing that you did, all right? And I can tell you this, and a lot of people working in advertising agencies will be able to collaborate with this or collaborate this. Uh, the best of their works, the most creative of their works are the ones we don't get to see out in public. They are the ones you only get to be able to share with us on social media after the campaign has run or if the campaign eventually did not run. Their most creative works are the ones the clients often don't get to work with. All right, so you see that while the client is looking out for your uniqueness, immediately they want to work with you, they ask you not to be unique. Just do something great that follows exactly every rule that is out there. It can drive you crazy as a designer, yet that is exactly the environment we have to operate in. All right, it is completely crazy. Okay, moving on with that. Also, if everyone can access the same inspiration like that everyone gets, if we all have access to the same uh, set of photographs, the same set of online uh, inspirational videos or tutorials or, or things about clients and campaigns and about best designs and things around the world, how do you really stand out when everybody's aware of the same, of the stars and trends and these things can be replicated at an instance? This is can be replicated like that and you all have access to the same thing. How can designers stand out from the crowd? In fact, we have had cases where people go all out to find unique images, unique concepts and ideas for the project they are working with, only to get it turned out that, oh, somebody did exactly the same thing sometime late last year. All right? And you find out very late that what you're doing was actually done by another client, by another design across the world on the other side of the planet late last year. All right? This new flattery says something. Uh, laugh out loud, I think you can actually form partnerships to get the job done. That's talking about our, our previous um, uh, problem there about um, uh, um, holistic perspective. Okay? It takes a lot of grace to be unique, my sister. I feel you. It takes a lot of effort. Call it what you may, great, everything to actually remain unique in a crowd of designers because that is exactly what the design field is. The creative field is a crowd. All right? 
if we look at creativity in the fact that a lot of people can do just about everything you can do, maybe do it cheaper, maybe do it faster, maybe even do it better than you can, and they are always available at the, the, the touch of a button. And I, I mean, a long time ago, you only are able to be seen if you had the phone number or able to physically visit your client's office to present your uh, folio to them. Nowadays, clients can access anybody's folio anywhere from around the world. They can see anybody's pages, anybody's profiles and posts from anywhere at the top of keyboards on a computer. All right? So it changes things. Now, one other thing is um, about originality. In fact, that's another headache for designers out there. How are you, uniqueness is tied to originality. So how do you remain original, okay? What exactly is originality? We'll talk about that. Then number 10, cultivating the human experience, okay? It's like oftentimes as designers, we're so focused on the tools and the ideologies of design. And we're so focused on the things that are wrapped around um, uh, creativity and the expression of creativity and the technology that we often forget about the human aspect of the design that we do. Okay, we're so particular about communicating that we forget that we're communicating to people and oftentimes don't impute the human experience into what we're doing. So cultivating the human experience is something that most creatives find difficult to do. Um, we need to cultivate the human end of things by finding new ways to embed experiences, memories, stories, and culture into our creative design, our creative output. All right? It's like when a trend starts, it's often it, it, it's often something that has um, little to do with um, the human experiences. We just have an idea that usually comes from within and often doesn't uh, imp uh, inculcate uh, the people's experiences, all memories, all cultures, all things that people can relate with into our designs. And we have seen how this being reversed can actually affect the outcome of your designs. I mean, we know a lot of adverts are coming out there right now that are using the experience of peoples and their culture to sell some things to us. Case in point, Noah's Axe project on the Airtel brand has been an excellent uh, use of cultural values or cultural things. I mean, who does not have a mom that speaks for long hours to pray for you every time? You know the conversation, you know how it goes. When you call your dad, it's a one-minute conversation. When you call your mom, Father, Lord God, just know that you and every child you have in the house will be prayed for, all right? So, like, we know those experiences. That's why we're able to connect with adverts like that. Oftentimes, designers, as designers, because of the timeline we're asked to work with, because of our, our immediate exposures to uh, inspiration, which is often limited to people in the scope of work that we do, we often fail to impute human experiences, memories, human stories, and culture into what we do. And that is a problem that we might not be aware of most of the time because we look at our work as cool, as awesome, as one on point, ah, man, touche, that we often fail to notice that we are not putting more humanity in the things that we are designing. Okay? Now, uh, this thing touch says something here. There's something you do that is uniquely you. Pay attention to your critics and clients. What is that thing that they keep liking about your work? All right, look within and you'll find your voice. That is what the thing is saying on Instagram. That is awesome. Now, Neil Flattery says something. That's why I kind of withdrew from my makeup practice because the world itself is a makeup artist. I have to prioritize and strategize. 
I mean, that's one area of creative expression that is actually very much um, something that becomes a little like, well, how do you stand out from this? Everybody right now is a makeup artist. There are lots of makeup artists out there, and it becomes like, okay, you're not a makeup artist unless you start making people ugly, all right? And like, unless you reverse exactly what the trend is, you might not exactly stand out. A lot of people are going into movie makeup. A lot of people are going into... Um, uh, 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 event makeup and all of that. Too many people out there. How do you stand out in that industry? How do you make your work different? All right. So I guess that's what you're referring to. Simeon Ekokobe says hi. Hi, Simeon. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Now, number 11 here. Number 10. Let's say it again. Cultivating human experience. Okay. Number 11. Encouraging new talent to aspire to greatness. And I think when we list out all the products we have so far, the number one to 10. For every designer and creative person out there, whether you're a creative business or a creative designer by yourself, I mean, do you even have time to be bringing up new talents? I mean, is there time to mentor somebody else, to, to aspire to greatness, to push them up, to become better? When you yourself are unable to observe certain things within your own design sphere, when you're unable to solve certain problems for yourself as a designer, do you have time? All right, the marketplace no longer provide um, enough platforms for graphic artists to flourish. It's more like everywhere there's a new platform that is supposed to promise um, designers apply a, a, a way to sh showcase their works or even grow and blow to something great. It gets crowded, another platform gets created, and then we dilute the effort of that particular platform. It's like there is no platform to actually help showcase what you can do. All right, it's like. We don't have time. Sorry about that. We don't have time to actually get um, people or, or new talent to aspire to greatness. Like we're so busy surviving as designers that we forget that one day we will need younger designers, upcoming designers to actually do some of the things we're doing now that we'll have to get into it. So it's a problem of legacy. Most designers are not building the right legacy as we speak. All right? We do not operate an environment where uh, if we are unable to design, somebody else can take up that work and carry it on. We have the problem of legacy within the industry. And every designer is facing that. Platforms are created and these platforms are crowded up over again and then we don't get exactly that. Tony Mobi says, I wonder if this formatic technique can be replicated digitally. Um, I think so. I think there might be a, uh, what do I call it now? This thing in Photoshop that you find, um, what do I call it? What do they call this in there? A plugin in Photoshop that can help uh, create them. I think that technique is just basically drawing out the area you want to shade and shading it in cross arches or arches. All right, it's, it's a it's a basic thing. It's basically more about carving out your shade, shadowed area before shading them out. Okay, so the marketplace no longer encourages us to actually train uh, people to replace it. And Distinct Touch says you are not successful if you don't have a successor. I mean, it, it's out there, it's staring every designer in the face, yet all these other problems from number one to 10 stares us in the face as well. It seems there's no way to avoid solving the problem. There are problems that need to be solved one way or the other. So we need to pay attention to that as well, okay? Number 12, staying hungry for other design disciplines, actually. Staying hungry for other design principles or disciplines. Staying hungry. In fact, let's just leave it at staying hungry. Looking out for um, ensuring that you don't get complacent. 
And I think that's a problem a designer finds easy to fall into. Every designer finds it easy. In fact, companies find it easy to fall into that. Okay? I mean, you have been illustrating for the last 10 years. You get illustration jobs, and it keeps coming every time before you finish one project and that project comes up. You have a lot on your desk. You are constantly doing that. It's easy to get to the point where you think, hey, illustration is going to continue forever. I'm going to keep getting illustration jobs, and that is going to be it. And nothing else is not going to come over. I'm just going to be that. If you don't get bored as a creative person and want to explore other disciplines of creativity, you will get complacent in what you're doing. You will not stay hungry. Okay? And you will remain, you become complacent until that point where somebody throws out something to you and it's too late for you to actually be able to uh, switch over and do something new. Okay? And now, even if your design, uh, your design product is purely uh, digital. It is good to cultivate a sense of wonder about other things that have nothing to do with the digital platform, like sculpture, like ceramics, like metal works, like paper craft, all right, like like uh, like 3D modeling, like clay work, like things that just like even a carpentry and furniture making, all right. As a designer, do not get complacent enough in whatever area of um, creativity you are doing because it's easy to fall in that. Believe me, all right. I had to literally fight myself to get out of complacency in doing storyboards. For a long time before um, the ICC's office was set up, storyboards were my mainstay. I mean, I could do like five, 10 storyboards in a month, and that was like good money, all right? But it took me thinking that, look, the future of storyboards was going to be agencies who are going to have um, their own illustrators in-house who are going to be tasked with getting these storyboards done, because economically, it makes better sense. Paying somebody a fixed amount to do however number of storyboards you want to do in a month, versus paying somebody past storyboards for everyone you do out there. Economics says, economics says they are going to prefer paying somebody in house. And there were lots of other illustrators who I was going to have to work with, was going to keep up with getting illustrations done continuously. All right? I, mean, I couldn't handle all the storyboards, obviously, so I had to get other illustrators on board. Now, these illustrators obviously are hungry as well to get more storyboards in their own uh, hands to get work. And whatever I'm paying them would not be what they would get if they go uh, for the project directly from the client. So I knew that the day would come when the storyboards were going to stop being a thing. So I was able to offer some of my storyboard clients things in concept design, in character design, in graphics, all right, in animation, and then animatics, an area that was not exactly like um, a major focus for some of these clients by that time. So being hungry for other areas of your creative expression or other area of creative expression would actually make you uh, be flexible in whatever area of business you're operating in and can save you from stagnancy in the future. Can actually save you from complete bankruptcy when your business eats, it's not where the, your mainstay of projects stops at any point in time. So it's a problem for most designers to stay hungry for other areas of design, other disciplines of design, okay? So don't just remain digital. Don't just get into the idea of working only with digital platform that you forget about the areas of actual um, uh, physical 3D art like sculpture and all other things like that. All right. Number 13, maintaining personal interactions. Wow. I, I don't think we can see this anything. Designers know only other designers and oftentimes we don't do these things uh, physically. I mean, when was the last time you actually shook the hands of another designer one-on-one, -on -one, all right? Now, beyond even fellow designers, the other problems is we don't often realize, maybe by virtue of all this we have listed, 
we fall into the problems of never actually getting to meet our clients for one-on-one -on -one meetings, all right? With the internet, WhatsApp, and phone, doing quite a lot of things, we are able to conclude businesses via internet, via WhatsApp, via video call or Skype or every other thing that we never get to do one-on-one -on -one meetings with our clients. Well, that's a good thing. We often will realize, and I'm sure a lot of designers can get this, can relate to what I'm about to say. You often find out that when you sit down with your clients, all right, one-on-one, -on -one, not on the phone, not via WhatsApp, not, not by Skype, when you're able to sit down with them, you actually get jobs done faster and more on point. All right, I can tell you how many times logos have been designed right there in front of a client through sketches. All right, a case in point, the language logo that he used for a while in some of his album sleeves. I was sitting right there with him. We had to talk about it. He wanted to fight the way we wrote, we wrote, we just did some sketches. And then one of those sketches, one of those sketches said, That is the logo I want. I want this refined. Can we get this to look more presentable? And that was the logo that was chosen and was used straight out. What would have taken weeks was done in under three days. All right, for the same price. All right, get that. The price was not affected, but the timeline was simply because I was able to have a one-on-one -on -one sit down with the client and get into his mind, be able to actually show him right there and then, is this what you're looking for? Is this where you're going? Is, this, is, is it going in the direction that you want? And then here's the other part of it. The client actually feels better satisfied because he thinks, hey, I was involved in the creation of this. This is me. It is a part of me. I'm just not taking what one artist went to his studio and created and brought to me and I have to accept. Okay? So there's that aspect of it. And I think it is a delicate balance for designers to, to, to meet up with those things. Do you, I mean, do you forego the internet? Do you have to travel to America to meet a client there if you have one there? All right? Do you have to go to Abuja if your client is there just to have a meeting with them about their project? Are there other ways around it? There are probably other ways around it, and it should constantly be a point. See, just if you have a long-term client, even if it's once a year, I think it's okay to have a time to meet with those clients physically and get to understand them and their brands better. You'll be surprised the kind of thing that might come out of that. Now, number 14 of these problems. This one's a lot of designers raise their hand and say, yes, me too. Okay, finding the right clients. Yes, we have talked about the designers' problems and what face designers themselves and how clients meet them. One other thing also is finding the right clients. Oftentimes, you have a way of expression. You have an ideology as a designer. You know how things should be done. You see things the way they should be done right. And you jam one client who tells you to throw out everything that is okay, everything that is good, and use everything else that you know totally you will not be able to defend with anybody else out there. Something you don't even want to associate your names with. All right? I, I know that happens a lot of times. Finding the right clients. Getting those clients, not just in terms of those who let you express yourself creatively, but clients that would actually be able to pay the actual value for what you do. All right? We all know that you meet a client who seems to have a job they want you to do. They understand your creative output. They know you're good for it, but they just can't pay your value. All right? We know also that the clients that have the big money, they want to pay you big, but they want you to throw out everything that makes their job okay and do it exactly as they want. I had a client who wanted me to design a logo completely in 3D, as in get that logo shiny and looking global and with all the reflections and all the things. Everything I knew was going to be wrong with the logo down the line and reproducing it across all other platforms. Okay? And then ultimately that logo project didn't go anywhere, okay? So 
we, we meet clients. How do you get the right clients? That is a problem for designers. You are constantly looking for, in fact, many people have gone into prayers. It's one of the daily prayers of designers. Father, Lord God, let me find the right client today. Somebody who's going to see my project, see what I'm capable of, and actually be able to offer me right value for it and give me the right kind of creative freedom to express what is best for this particular project. We know that is a problem for creatives out there. Now, what we can quickly run through this, okay? That is the 14 uh, problems that designers face, and I'm sure as we are talking about that, we're highlighting some of the solutions as well. Let's just quickly look at some things, okay? Some solutions. Starting from number one, we'll do this as quickly as we can and then probably continue it with next week if you can't finish everything right now. Okay, now working with fast, within fast turnarounds, solutions, choose your poison. What can be solved is not a problem. It's a fact of life. Life is speeding up. It is something you cannot change. Choose what works best, and, uh, what works best for you and stick to the expectations either. If you, are, if you want, prefer to take your time to do projects, realize that you're going to get less clients and maybe more pay for less clients and maybe even less pay when you're able to get better quality. Do not expect that all the clients you get will be willing to take time with you to get their projects done. Choose that and stick with the expectations of it. Or choose to be the guy that develops a process that allows for speedy delivery without losing quality or at least with minimal loss of quality. All right? Since speed doesn't always get out the best in what we do. There's no room for extra research and data when speed is required. You just have to do something with what you have right now. So perhaps it might work best as a designer if you right now, before the speed catches up, begin to develop a process that makes things easier for you to do. Or better still, get other people involved in what you do. Okay? Number two, balancing thinking with doing. There's no way out of that one. There's only one solution. Design more. Get to practice what you do more. Create time for yourself to actually be able to express uh, your jobs better. See, one of the best works of designers actually come from things they do for themselves, not for clients. Find more time to create things for your folio that are not necessarily what clients have given to you. All right? Let design thinking be the guide. Practical design should always be the best way to um, uh, get your design to prove your design concepts and theories. You know, you have an idea of how a particular technique will work. It is by doing that you know. The only way to actually grow as a designer is to practice. It's to actually do the design. All right? It's where you have all the knowledge, yeah, you know the concept and principle, blah, 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 you know all of that. But if you do not practice, if you do not do, you don't get better. Okay? Staying relevant. Now, this one, a, a part of the solution is actually stated down there as a problem. Practice, practice, practice. Distinctor says that that is a requirement for all areas. The easiest thing to lose, the easiest way to lose anything you're doing as a designer is to stop practicing. You have got to keep practicing. It's the only way to get better. Solutions to remaining relevant. Remain hungry. Be adaptable. Work with the new guns, not against them. Create a blue ocean. As in like step out of the creative uh, competition field. Step out of the earth. All right? Do not always try to do what the other people are doing. Do not try to enter the business exactly the way it's being done. All right? Take my storyboards to animatics kind of thing. While everybody is trying to do storyboards and say, oh, that's where the new money is, you are creating the next level of storyboards by packaging animatics instead. Getting short videos or short animations that can be used in place of storyboards or as an extension of storyboards instead. It's like you now create a new niche for yourself. Have a new niche. Know the latest stuffs even if you don't use them. That is one way to stay relevant. 
have a good path, doesn't touch, you are blessed. He says, have a global perspective in mind. That is one way to remain relevant. And that is know the new stuff, know the latest technologies, know the new techniques, the methods and things, even if you don't use them, have good knowledge of them and use them as required. Know, learn, and assess new techniques and methods and assess them fast. When I say assess, you see, not every new method is going to get you better. Not every new idea or technology will make your process faster or better, but know them. Learn them, learn how to use them and assess them quickly, assess their impact in the overall scheme of things in the industry that you practice within, okay? Know that, offer your clients the under the leaf stuff that they won't get elsewhere. You know that you wrap up that says what the elders used to eat uh, uh, pap, uh, cold pap is always under the leaves. Eh? Pardon my Yoruba there. But the point is, uh, there are things that are you that have been practicing uh, in the design realm would always keep as your um, key, key points, your, your selling points. All right? Because there are things that only you will be able to impute into whatever it is that you're doing. Keep those things and offer them to your clients as an extra. There's always that extra touch that you can give to your clients that they won't find in the new guns or in any other designer out there. Keep that, groom that, and work with it at all times. And watch your pricing. Okay, now when I say watch your pricing, I'm not saying go lower or go higher. Watch it means watch your clients, watch their thinking, look at how they are approaching what they are doing. Are they more concerned about their costs or are they more concerned about their quality? Where clients are concerned about quality, they might not be so concerned about cost. Where they are concerned about cost, they might not mind getting anything. So you will not always be able to get that logo project out for two million naira. All right, there will be logo projects you'll have to take on for far less, for more than for less than a quarter of that. All right, so watch it. Constantly study your clients, constantly study industry, constantly study the areas that you operate within to ensure that you know what is going on within the new people and the old people, and especially what your clients are thinking about. There is nothing more than that. Keep your study of the industry beyond just the industry. Go into the clients, the people that will use this the people, as in the audience, that your clients are going to actually get your designs towards, all right? Know the trends that is going on with the people, then the trends that's going on with your clients, and the trends that's going on within the people operating in your industry, okay? Keep some stuff, some stuff to yourself. So sum it up, all right? To remain relevant, uh, relevant in your industry. You need to be at the forefront of digital and, uh, and, and technological development and understand how marketers are currently using this technology and these new methods so that you can work out how it will fit into your own processes and how to apply it to your client in the present world that you're operating in. So you must always be on top of things. In fact, that first phrase sums it up. Remain hungry. Do not stop searching out for more. All right? Stay on top of your industry. Read up new blogs. Get out, get out more often. Get into social events with new designers, with new design activities. Attend more expos. All right? Link up with a lot more people. Number four, adapting to technological whatever, uh, to technological um, uh, change, adaptation. There is no, that was not even a problem. Okay? Um, technological change is a fact of life. It will continue. So you need to ask, anticipate technological change and then adapt to it. Part of that will be in what we're talking about relevance in the first one. I think it stems into that. If you are hungry and you're constantly anticipating the future, 
And that is another uh, thing we'll probably talk about later on. How do you think futuristic? How do you take what is here and now and be able to process it for what can happen in the next two, three, five, 10, 20 years? All right? And anticipate technological change and then be prepared for it. Let technological change meet you ready to take advantage of it. Okay? Now, Distinct Touch says on Instagram, create time to read, travel, and meet people, not just walking, living, and sleeping in your studio. My brother, on point, create time to read. Read, designers, read, read, and read. We cannot overemphasize the importance of information. Create time to read. Create time to travel, meet people, expand your knowledge, go out of your studio a lot more, stop sleeping in the studio all the time. Meet people, go out and interact with society. All right, one of the great things designers miss often is when they achieve a moderate level of success and you're beginning to drive around, one of the key things you miss is interaction with the populace that you're actually designing for. All right, remember those days when you're sitting downfalls, when you're sitting on the Okada, when you're in the Marwas? Those are the days you actually get some of your best ideas. But now that you're driving around in your AC vehicle, you often get less ideas coming to you because now you're not interacting with the people that you're actually supposed to be communicating with. All right, so go out more, meet more people, interact with society, interact with the environment you operate within, interact with the environment you wish to interact and communicate with. Okay, go do that. Stop sleeping in your studio. So it's like, seek things deeper than the tools. Do not focus on just the tools. There has got to be things behind the tools. Use tools according to what clients need, not as technological show off. There's a lot of people who just want to tell us, look, I did this on my graphic tablet. Yeah, what's up? That's not it. Your graphic tablet can also produce crap, okay? The user makes the tool. It's not the other way around. The tool does not make you a better designer. You make the tool a better tool by using it in the way that you know, okay? Learn the tools. Learn the technology. Know it, but use it only as needed for each project. Do not use technology for technology's sake. And most softwares often export in other formats, right? I mean, you can export across formats from various softwares out there. So it's not even about the software most times. There are ways to render pictures to look like drawings, drawings to look like they are drawn on, this, on, on a notepad, on a graphic tablet, all right? There are ways to even make drawings on a graphic tablet look that way, like they were drawn with pencil. Okay, so it's like you can cross formats all the time with several software, so it's never about the tools. Make sure you don't get stuck in that. Number five, making great work. There is no other um, excuse about that one. It goes back to the solution we had in number four just there. Adapt, learn new things, stay hungry, stay relevant, and continuously study your environment to deliver what your environment requires of you at all times. Remember, a great work is only the work that is appreciated by your target audience, all right? And a great work delivered late is not a great work, it's a bad work, all right? So deliver on time and deliver as required. Satisfy your target audience. That is what is important. Whether it's your client or the audience or the people out there, always seek to satisfy them first. That is the core. Now, on Instagram Live, we're going to go off a little bit now. I think Instagram Live is on a one-hour uh, schedule, so that's going to go off in a bit uh, of a while. So thanks for tuning in on Instagram. Distinct Touch, you have been awesome. Now, on Facebook, Charles Chuku says, cost versus quality. Study your clients and industry. Work with the new guns, not against them. Stay hungry. Keep up with technological change. Interact with your environment that you create for. Awesome. 
Charles Chukwu, thanks for outlining that. But that about sums up everything that is required to solve these 14 problems that designers face out there. Staying true to design fundamentals, number six here. And it's always the same thing, all right? Staying true will require you to be brave. You see everything we've talked about, studying your clients and knowing things, it's all part of the things that will require you to be brave. Oftentimes, you, re you realize that being brave doesn't mean you tell your client that they are stupid, that they don't know what they're talking about, that you are the designer, you are the one that knows. No, you don't do that, okay? Being brave means um, you tell your client, your client says, um, we are into food business, yet we want black and purple to be our color in the logo that you're designing. If you are going to present your design to your clients, please use purple and black as requested, as option number one, two, and three. Then throw in option number four and five in whatever colors you think will work. That is you being brave, all right? Throwing it in there. Just to tell a client, know that, okay, you know what, your idea is fine. I think you're thinking the right way, but perhaps you can try this. Because let's face it, nobody likes being told that they are ignorant or stupid. No matter the fact that this is not their area of, of work, all right, but it's still their brand, it's still their business, still their vision. They are the one that will stand by that logo long after your, uh, your entry or your design project is over. You're going to design and you're going to walk away they will stand by it. So it is important that they agree with whatever it is that they're bringing. Even if you have to feed, them, feed it to them subtly, okay? You can't force feed them it because they will reject it. You will see that the logo that you choose with the color that you think will work best might often be the ones they will eventually choose. But to impact a little bit of their own uh, ego into it, which is important, they will ask you to just add a touch of purple to that yellow. Eh? We know yellow and red down there, but just put purple there somewhere. And that will be it. It will be a win-win. You get to actually get the, the right uh, fundamentals into the design and get it out there. And your client gets to impute what they want into the project. And that is it. So you need to actually be able to always, at any point in time, follow and operate within the design elements and principles. Now, these principles, like I was told a while back in school, my graphic design lecturer, his first lecture was to give us all these elements and principles of design and give us 10 rules of design plus the one rule that says you are free to break all these rules okay so even while all these elements and principles are there they are not sacrosanct okay but knowing them means when you break the rules you break it well see um i i, I don't want to use a bad analogy right but if you are able to break a rule that you know well you can actually get away with breaking that rule simply because you know the rule and you can explain your way out of the breakage, okay? But if you didn't know the rule, you wouldn't even know you're breaking it, okay? So it's best to know the rule and break it with knowledge, break it intentionally, not just that, uh, that belief that every accident in, uh, is, is a design. Mm -mm, it doesn't work like that. If you accidentally designed something, you didn't design it, okay? You stumbled onto it and you can't be credited for actually making that happen. Okay, so you must be brave and be able to put those core philosophies of design into everything that you do. Okay, and a holistic perspective. We can't, we can't even begin to uh, talk about whether that is important or not. It might be something you need to choose your poison for. Okay, both have their perspective. Whether you specialize or not, they have their own setbacks. If you specialize, you'll be focused, uh, you have a narrow view and an isolated view of what you do. And if you are a bit too broad, you might not be able to put in the best quality into what you do. So what I might suggest will be a balance or a blend of the two. Have a specialization and then a knowledge of every other thing that you can also offer. Or look at a third option, collaborate. 
partner. Build a network of people and companies in the areas you don't specialize in and pass them projects that come your way outside of your area of specialization. <clears throat> you can charge them a commission for it. Okay, for every project you bring to them, you get 10% or 20% of whatever the bill is. And you act as the middle person. In fact, the project is yours that they are rendering. Okay, so there are multiple ways by which this can be done. And the solutions are always ever evolving themselves. So even when we outline all these solutions, we know that changes in technology and the environment or the creative uh, field would actually impact on how the solutions work. Okay, guys, now, we might not be able to uh, talk about all the solutions for um, all of this. We will try to address them again next week by having a continuation of that. I think we have reached number, um, solutions to number seven. That means we have seven more to go. We will look at those briefly in, in the next edition of the show and then continue on to our next edition's proper topic. Until that time, guys, thanks again for tuning in, Charles Chuku, and every other person that tuned in and contributed to the show. You are awesome, and we do this because you guys are there. Remember, you can download previous episodes of the show on Anchor FM. The links is on my page, and it's on ICTO's page at all times. And then this episode, you can download and listen to it as a podcast on Anchor FM by tomorrow morning. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. And then remember, whatever happens this week and the coming weekend forever in your life, you must always create or die trying. It is the only rule of life that we must live by. See you guys next week.